0: Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort. 21 plus, age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Falado on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am the host of this show, Nicholas Falado, and last week we broke down in depth the new York Giants draft class, some value picks, selecting Kadarius Toney at 20, got Aziz Jalari at pick 50, and then ended up getting Gary Brightwell, Rodarius Williams later, and then in between that, they went with Aaron Robinson on a trade-up, and Ellerson Smith, high value type of player with a lot of upside due to his athletic ability and his new frame. Hopefully he can add a little bit more and get better against the run. But I'm excited about this New York Giants draft class. But we need to really dive in to the NFC East and all the other draft class for the football team, the Eagles, and the Cowboys. And that's what we're going to do on this podcast, a quick NFC East review. And we're going to start with those Philadelphia Eagles, mainly because <laughs> they were really involved with the New York Giants and the Dallas Cowboys. Because as we remember, two cornerbacks came off the board. Pat Sertain and jay Horn. Horn went 8-2. Carolina Panthers, South Carolina product, and Pat Sertain out of Alabama went nine to the Denver Broncos. And why that's important is because the Dallas Cowboys sat at 10. And they, everybody assumed, wanted to go with one of those two cornerbacks when they both got sniped. Then... Some may think that the Dallas Cowboys panicked, but I would just say that they saw two cornerbacks get off the board and they saw value in trading back to get another one of their top-ranked players in Micah Parsons, who they were certain that the New York Giants weren't going to select. Who still had Justin Fields on the board. This is where it gets a little weird because Dallas ends up trading from 10 to 12 with the Philadelphia Eagles, obviously two NFC East teams, and they must have really trusted the fact that the Eagles were going to go with Devonta Smith and not go with Justin Fields. Maybe they did not trust Justin Fields' evaluation or they didn't care that the Eagles were going to go with Justin Fields. But if the Eagles traded up and actually went with Justin Fields over Devonta Smith and the Cowboys allowed that to end up happening and that would be just funny if Justin Fields ended up being this player a lot of people assume that he can be and it was all because the Dallas Cowboys traded back and allowed the Philadelphia Eagles to jump instead of trading with somebody who wasn't in division say the Bears or another team and then that team went with Justin Fields I just thought that was an interesting thing there was no way that the Dallas Cowboys could have been 100% certain that the Eagles were trading up for Smith but I guess they trusted the information that Howie Roseman and the Eagles staff gave the Dallas Cowboys and you could say the Eagles and the Cowboys conspired against the Giants but that's not exactly what happened the enemy of my enemy is my friend and I guess the Cowboys looked at it hey Devonta Smith's got to be in our division one way or another the Giants do sit there at 11 and select them so they picked up an extra third round pick and I can't knock the Dallas Cowboys for doing that the Philadelphia Eagles two years in a row they go with wide receiver in the first round last year they went with the TCU kid Jalen Rager he was injured a lot during the season I wasn't particularly high on his skill set coming out, especially since they drafted him over Justin Jefferson, who looks like a lock to be a star receiver in this league. And then you think about just a couple years before that, I want to say it was 2018, might have been 2019, when they went with J-Jaw, the kid from Stanford, J.J. Sega whiteside out of the University of Stanford, and they drafted him over D.K. Metcalf. <laughs> so the Eagles haven't exactly done well with their wide receiver evaluations i believe they ended up getting a stud here in Devonta smith who's really going to help them but they had to trade some they had to trade a third-round pick with the Cowboys to get that but they land Smith they land their guy he can help this offense now that this team is being run by Nick Sirianni brings in Shane Steichen from the Los Angeles Chargers last year to be his offensive coordinator and he has Jonathan Gannon now as his defensive coordinator who he was with in Indianapolis it's a Matt Eberflus disciple and Matt Eberflus runs a lot of zone a lot of cover two two high split safety looks Uh, trust those cornerbacks to play those shallow zones in the flat a lot of the times it's one of his more base type of coverages but obviously you're still going to see man you're going to see all those things and I think that's just important when we look a little bit later at this draft and my biggest critique for this draft which we'll get into after I talk about the second round pick of Landon Dickerson who I really like to be honest now Landon Dickerson his problem is staying healthy that's always been his issue dating back to his time at Florida State he ends up transferring to Alabama and has one heck of a season in 2020 before tearing his acl against florida in the sec championship game which allowed quinn minor to go to the senior bowl but that's neither here nor there but lander dickerson at pick 37 is selected by the philadelphia eagles and you gotta look at the eagles depth chart they need this young talent last year they lost brandon brooks for the year at guard because again dickerson can play both but he should be back he's a very talented player Jason Kelsey is getting older. He's still serviceable, but you're going to need to find a replacement for someone like that. Isaac Ciamalo, he's a replacement level player. And I think if he's healthy, Dickerson is going to win that job over someone like Ciamalo. That's not a shock. It's a top 40 type of player. But this offensive line last year was really, really injured. Andre Dillard ended up suffering an injury before the season. He was their first round pick back in 2019. And then Lane Johnson, he's been dinged up a lot. One of the best right tackles in the National Football League But he's just got to stay healthy. So that's what they're really focusing on. But they drafted a guard who has struggled to stay healthy. Hopefully, for their sake, it does end up staying healthy because you never want to wish injury on any kind of kid. And this kid is a great kid, according to Nick Saban and everybody at that Alabama program. And it was a good get for them if he can stay on the field. And in the third round, things got a little interesting. So the Eagles ended up going with defensive tackle Milton Williams out of Louisiana Tech, somebody who tested really, really well at his pro day. But you look at the defensive, the offensive line, you know, Fletcher, I mean, the defensive line, I'm sorry. Fletcher Cox is getting a little bit older. They still have Brandon Graham. He's getting over. They brought in Javon Hargrave from Pittsburgh last year. He's a good player. But the thing that's interesting about this selection was the Eagles wanted to go with Aaron Robinson, the Giants pick. That's what I believe. And I'm saying this because some video of the war room leaked out. And Howie Roseman, because again, the Giants jumped from 76 to get the 71, traded a fifth round pick that they acquired in the trade with the Bears to select Aaron Robinson. And then at 73 is where the Philadelphia Eagles were. And there was a video in the war room that surfaced of Howie Roseman going up to his director of college scouting and trying to get a little fist bump from him. And the director of college scouting gave him like just a half-ass fist bump, just one that did not look... Like he had any interest. And then Howie like put his hands up, like, what's wrong with you? Basically. And then there wasn't like an argument, but you could tell that that executive was displeased. And a lot of people feel like it's because the Eagles really wanted to invest in their secondary and they had a high grade on Aaron Robinson. And the fact that they were gonna be able to get Aaron Robinson at 73 really appealed to them. But the Giants just absolutely obliterated that hope by trading up to 71 with the Saints. And the Giants were able to get Aaron Robinson in that situation and steal somebody who is very versatile, very, very fluid in space and has a lot of upside like a Robinson. And I think the Eagles were just really, really distraught by that. They just sat there at 73, trusted their evaluation and went with the defensive lineman. And they weren't able to add anybody to that secondary, which is, I mean, outside of Darius Slay, <laughs> you're looking at a very barren secondary, especially at the cornerback position. I mean, I think Avante Maddox is a good fourth corner type of guy and he's slated to start. And then you have Levert Hill and guys like that. And even in their safety room, Anthony Harris was a good player last season in 2019 but 2028 a little bit of the down year with minnesota they brought up marcus epps from minnesota as well they drafted kavon Wallace in the fourth round last year ronnie mcleod is not the player that he used to be that defense is really hurting in the secondary and the giants really really seem to upset them by selecting uh, aaron robinson and forcing the eagles basically to go with Milton williams and then it wasn't until the fourth round when The Eagles drafted Zach McPherson, a player I did not have a lot on, to be honest, coming out of Texas Tech, a Big 12 cornerback, something the Giants did a little bit later in the draft with Rodarius Williams. And this player, I mean, he's 5'11", 191 pounds, not the longest type of guy, Uh, not overly fluid, not somebody like Aaron Robinson, but they just needed to add somebody, and it seemed like it was a little bit of a reach there for the Philadelphia Eagles, somebody that I wasn't necessarily... Two. I didn't watch a lot of Texas Tech defensive film, so I didn't know too much. But since I've, I've just went with people that I that I trust, and a lot of people thought that it was. A reach but I love their pick in the fifth round of Kenneth Gainwell Kenny Gainwell he opted out of the 2020 season and I think this could be a real problem I can't believe that he ended up falling to the fifth round I absolutely love this for the Philadelphia Eagles because if you look at both their offensive coaches their head coach Nick Sirianni who comes from the Colts they had a player like Gainwell there named Naheem Hines and then Shane Steichen you look at Steichen he came from the Chargers that a player like that there and Austin Eckler and both of those guys ended up having phenomenal seasons Eckler when he was healthy but we also know the skill set of Austin Eckler so the fact that the Eagles were able to get Kenny Gainwell in the fifth round pair him with Miles Sanders in this Nick Sirianni offense with Shane Steichen calling plays I think Gainwell could be a really really fun fantasy owner in deeper (laughs) in deeper leagues just somebody who would be a PPR machine because he's so dynamic. He was one of my my guys at Big Blue View. He's just so dynamic when you get him into space, get the football in his hands. He's not a big guy. He's not somebody who's going to be handling twelve to fifteen carries a game consistently, but he's definitely somebody who can move the sticks on third down, make linebackers uh miss in space, and just kind of showcase his elusiveness with the football in his hands. And then to round out the Eagles draft, they went with Marlon Tupolo 2 from USC defensive tackle Teron Jackson defensive end from coastal carolina jacoby stevens lsu safety and patrick johnson who's an edge as well coming out of tulane and then Tua Piloto, he, he's somebody who fell in this draft because he has some injuries, but he definitely has flash talent at USC. That could be somebody who could step up once this defensive line continues to age and, and be a solid player for them. I actually kind of like a lot of these picks. Jacoby Stevens, the safety from LSU, was considered a top 20 pick going into this season and then just, just kind of fallen off a lot. That kind of happens to some of these safeties, but I remember him being mocked in the first round. But he, he's just one of those positionless players. Is he a linebacker? Is he a safety? Does he have defense? deep center field kind of ability does he have that range it's it's kind of more of a question mark he's a little bit more of a box safety but still a little bit of an up a little bit of a uh, swing for the fences with a player like Jacoby Stevens see what he can do in this Matt Eberflus type of defense since they brought in Gannon from the Colts if they if Gannon decides to run that similar type of scheme that he ran well he was within with the Indianapolis Colts and then Teron Jackson's an interesting one because he was down at the senior bowl he's a little bit undersized but he was a consensus all-american uh, this season in 2020 he ended up falling in the sixth round he's a two-time first team all sun Belt player very very highly productive player in college but played at coastal carolina and he's six foot two 260 pounds has sub 34 inch arms testing the 38th percentile in terms of the measurements of his arms 37th with his wingspan 19th percentile and weight 16th percentile and height this is all for edges by the way and then as a 40 yard dash i mean 77th percentile that's his best measurement but everything else is sub optimal 10 yard splits 24th percentile 1.7 seconds that's not overly explosive so he was just dominating a smaller level of competition and then they ended up going with patrick johnson out of Tulane another guy who was uber productive in college had a total of 132 tackles 35 for a loss 21 sacks had 10 sacks back in 2018 and then four in 2019 and then seven in 2020 but he's somebody that isn't overly athletic either but a high upside high motor type of player who could probably play to the boundary may be able to drop into some certain coverages to the boundary if you ask him to do that but he's there's a reason he was available in the seventh round and that's where the eagles were able to get him to round out this draft class and if i'm going to give draft grades i'd probably go somewhere around a C plus or a B with the Philadelphia Eagles because I like the fact that they were able to get Devonta Smith. I like the fact that they were able to upgrade the offensive line, but the fact that they weren't able to really, really look at that secondary and the only piece that they added to that secondary is Zach McPherson in the fourth round. I mean, that's kind of bad. That kind of actually makes me reconsider and I think I've dropped that down to a C plus. Love the Kenny Gainwell value. I think Tua Peloto could be a solid player for them on the inside. And the last three picks are special teamers who may be able to work into a rotation as the season progresses, but they're a little bit physically limited. Not as much with Jacoby... Well, I guess you could say with Jacoby Stevens if you're talking about him as a rangy safety, but that's not who he is. So that's what I would look at for the Philadelphia Eagles draft. And before we get into the Cowboys and the football team, let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. So a little layout of the Cowboys team and some of the changes. They had to fire their defensive coordinator, Mike Nolan, because their defense was absolutely horrendous last year. And Mike McCarthy had not a mutiny on his hands, but a lot of veteran players were not speaking very highly of what their defense was able to do. So Mike Nolan is out of a job. Their offense coordinator is still Kellen Moore, the Boise State kid from a while back. They were able to retain him. And then they brought in Dan Quinn to be their defensive coordinator. Dan Quinn was the head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, led them to a Super Bowl, the 28-3 collapse. Everybody knows about it. And then their special teams coordinator is actually the son of former Giants coach Jim Fossil, John Fossil, who is their special teams coordinator. So let's take a look at their draft real quick. I already talked about what happened with the Eagles and the Dallas Cowboys, that little love affair of a trade that went down in the first round. So Dallas drops from 10 to 12, and they get probably, it's arguable, but probably the best defensive playmaker in this draft. It's an inside linebacker, but I think Micah Parsons is going to be used a lot as a blitzer in this Dan Quinn defense, a lot on the edge. On third down situations you're still going to see him drop but there's really nothing that he can't do if everything is good around Micah Parsons because he's incredibly instinctive and fast to to crash downward really uses his hands well very very physical plays with a high energy high motor does have pass rushing upside he was recruited to go to Penn State as an edge and he can cover and he moves incredibly well I mean he had that amazing pro day and you can watch his 2019 tape because it's a 2020 opt-out and you can just see how fluid he is, and how quick he is, and what he can do at the next level. Now, I think the uh, the interesting part about this selection is, yes, you had Sean Lee retire, but you still have Jalen Smith who you just signed, and you drafted Leighton Van Der Esch in the first round of 2018. Granted, you didn't pick up his fifth-year option, so I'm not sure if he's longed for this roster because he's dealt with a lot of injuries, but now this defense becomes The focal point is Micah Parsons. He is going to be that unique chess piece that Dan Quinn kind of moves around a lot. He may act as the Deion Jones kid they drafted the Atlanta Falcons, that is, out of LSU a while back. He could be that player for this defense, and he'll look to be the face of this defense for quite a while, which is scary because he is a good football player, and the Dallas Cowboys were able to get him after the Giants traded with the Chicago Bears back to 20 where they selected Kadarius Tony so you got a good football player there it wasn't necessarily a huge need for this team and it's also a a a position that isn't valued as much as some of these other positions I mean you could talk about you know yes you added a good football player but should you be drafting a running back really really high yes running back might be a good football player but is it the best way to value the position in the current NFL some people would argue yes some people would argue no But Micah Parsons is now a Dallas Cowboy. And then we look at the second round, and the Cowboys put a high, high priority on adding defensive talent because that defense, as I said, was horrendous. But in the second round, they go with Kelvin Joseph. And Kelvin Joseph is somebody who was at LSU in 2018, transferred, missed all of 2019, and then ended up going to Kentucky for the 2020 season. And what I've seen from Kelvin Joseph is he's a— I would say a good athlete. He didn't necessarily test as well as I expected, especially laterally. He tested in the 7th percentile for his 3-cone, a 721. That's not great, but you do see his lower body explosiveness with the broad jump. He had 10 feet, 8 inches, 85th percentile. Vertical jump, not as good, a 35-inch vert, that's 37th percentile. And then he ran fast, and he had a really, really good 10-yard split, which showcases his short area quickness, and his ability to stop and start. Just really, really quick acceleration. And you can see that on his film. He's a good change of direction. He's fluid. He's 5'11", 197 pounds, just under 32-inch arms, which is 67th percentile for the cornerback position. But I don't necessarily see the mental side of it. He's a very, very raw kid. I don't think he knows what he's doing in zone coverage in terms of seeing the route combinations develop and reacting. I don't think he's as patient at the line of scrimmage as he is had to be in a press alignment. From the little bit of film I seen, I hadn't grind through his film. It was actually hard to find Kentucky film. I saw more of Jamin Davis, who we'll get into a little bit, than I did of Kelvin Joseph because I saw more end zone angle than I did the all 22 angle of uh, the top just seeing the entire field. So I didn't get to see as much Kelvin Joseph, but from what I saw, he definitely seemed a little bit raw, somebody who who has a high upside because of his athletic ability, but Definitely somebody who needs to be taught the nuances and a little bit more discipline. And it looks like he's going to have to start opposite of Trevon Diggs, who they drafted in the second round last year. So I think it, it was an interesting draft, for sure. And we'll get into it in a little bit. Kelvin Joseph, second round, I mean, you're swinging a little bit there. But they needed to add some sort of talent. But this team ended up having three Third round picks, they went with Osa Adegazua, the defensive lineman out of UCLA, Chauncey Golson, the defensive end out of Iowa, and then Nashawn Wright, the cornerback out of Oregon State. And Nashawn Wright, he's a big kid. I didn't watch a lot of Oregon State defense either, but from what I can tell, being a six 6'4", 183 pounder, if you can put more weight on this kid, maybe you can expect him to play that box safety role in certain packages. And I also feel the same way about the Cowboys six-round pick, Israel Mugamu from South Carolina, because he's another guy who's tall, six foot four, two hundred and twelve pounds. He played cornerback there, but I don't know if he's fluid enough to play cornerback in the NFL. I don't think he has the hips. He's high cut, but he can play middle of the field box, and you can use dollar packages to bring these bigger cornerbacks in and, and have them if they are sufficient enough against the run, they can also be able to. To not be a liability against a run, but still just use their incredible length to close throwing windows and, and be able to guard tight ends, lesser athletic tight ends, but tight ends coming out of the slot. So they wanted to add length and big cornerbacks. Now, I don't know if they're going to be playing outside. I think it's going to be a Kelvin Joseph and Trevon Diggs, but in certain packages, I think you're going to see Nashawn Wright and Mukamu, the kid from South Carolina, playing, if they make the team, that is, right? You would imagine would make the team that seemed like a bit of a reach but it's a third round pick and Mukamu, that's somebody. He's a six round pick and if he doesn't have special teams upside i'm not 100 percent certain if he will be able to make the team but i think my favorite pick at least from a value standpoint for the cowboys was jabril cox out of lsu inside linebacker transfer from north dakota uh, north dakota state played one year at lsu and that was 2020 but i but i look at it he's another linebacker who's athletic who's definitely could play all three downs a little bit more of a coverage type of guy one of those a little bit of a hybrid defender not as much because he does have some weight to him too he's not 220 pounds he's 232 pounds six foot three long good in zone coverage aware of all the surroundings good spatial awareness but some may argue and I think this was they just went with this because it was value that it's it's similar to Micah Parsons And, and those guys would Profile to be in the similar type of role within this Dan Quinn defense. I'm sure Dan Quinn can get creative and use Jabril Cox, Micah Parsons on the field at the same time. I'm sure he's going to figure out a way to do that. But those would be like my two pick, my two favorite picks there and they both play a similar position and probably project to a similar role within this offense. So I thought that was interesting but you can't pass enough value. Then they end up going with Josh Ball out of Marshall, offensive tackle. That was their only investment into the offensive line until Matt Faranuk who was an offensive guard out of Nebraska. And this team, their offensive line They're known for their offensive line, but they're getting older, okay? Connor Williams is a solid player. They drafted from the second round in 2018. Tyron Smith's injured every single year. He just keeps getting older. Lyle Collins was injured all last year. He's still a good player, one would imagine. And then they have Tyler Beatis as their starting center. They drafted in the fourth round last year, who ended up falling because of some injury issues he had at the University of Wisconsin. But this offensive line still needs to get some young talent in here to compete because I'm sure they want to get back to that identity of having a a sound offensive line that can really get this rushing game going and then give Dak Prescott the time he needs to throw the football. Ezekiel Elliott had a down year last year. Tony Pollard looked really good, their 2019 fourth-round pick. So we'll see what the offense ends up looking like with Kellen Moore as their offensive coordinator and a healthy Dak Prescott. I mean, they have all the weapons they need. I mean, Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, C.D. Lamb. And then they actually ended up drafting Simi Fahoku, somebody that I know a lot of people who are high on him. He's a good athlete, really, really big guy. He's like four, 220 pounds, like a biscuit away from a tight end receiver out of Stanford but he struggles with drops and you look at this depth chart and there's a tons of guys i mean they like to design plays to cedric wilson sometimes you get noah brown on the field so we'll see if he's going to be able to kind of beat out those two players for snaps behind cd lamb michael Gallup, and amari cooper and i think the the cowboys draft is interesting and they also ended up going with quinton bohannon a kentucky defensive tackle, a player that that uh is more of a nose type of guy six foot four 327 pounds he could probably play one technique in that four down front even front that Dan Quinn likes to run a lot of but they also have Tristan Hill who they drafted in the second round 2019 they have Carlos Watkins who they signed in free agency used to be Houston Texan went to the University of Clemson Neville Gallimore they drafted in the third round last year he fell he's more of a little bit of a quick twitch type of guy which is similar to what Osa Odegizua is not quite Osa's a little bit smaller he's around the 280 pound range but low pad level just cracking 6'2 plays with good leverage is versatile you can use him as a five technique and kick him inside to play three technique on passing down you can use his quickness and his powerful hands as one technique to kind of get interior pressure if you want to do that so I think it's really interesting but they also went with Chauncey Golston who's a little bit more of an end heavy heavy-handed kid out of the University of Iowa and I spoke about him a little bit before they got him in the third round but they just wanted to infuse this defense with young talented guys and and build it within the mold of what Dan Quinn wants because it's not going to be what Mike Nolan did last year and that could lead to some transition issues early on in the season because this roster isn't really filled with talented players it's not filled with a lot of players who are going to know this defense yes they brought in Keanu Neal from Atlanta but other than that there's a lot of young guys here yes DeMonte Casey they also brought in he's still a young player I mean this is his first year outside of his first contract so it's not a defense filled with a lot of veteran talented players DeMarcus Lawrence he's got to stay healthy you're not sure what you're getting from him so I, I like the investment in the defensive talent I think it was necessary for the Dallas Cowboys but in the end I would probably end up giving this a a C plus as well I think previously I, I gave it a higher grade maybe a B uh, on uh, other podcasts and stuff but looking at it again and seeing the return uh, I'm gonna go with a, a good C plus the thing I'll say though that I do love is just the amount of guys they ended up getting. I mean, they had three third-round picks, two sixth-round picks, two fourth-round picks. So I love the just swing and the swing and the swing. And how many offensive players did they end up drafting? Three? And their first offensive player that they drafted was in the fifth round, which was semifahoku And Well, no, actually, it was a fourth round with Josh Ball. And then it was semifahoku Fahoku, and then it was Matt Farinok. So they really want to upgrade this defense, and I do respect that. I'm still going to go with a C C+. And now we're going to go to a team that I think had... A phenomenal draft I did and that's the Washington football team the Washington football team where they were sitting at pick 19 right and they have Jamin Davis who we now recently find out after Dave Gettleman went on NFL Network that the Giants were really looking at this kid and I could see why and I think he's a little bit raw he wasn't a full-time player his entire time in college but he stepped in in 2020 had a really good season and showed just his length and his versatile ability to be a three down defender his ability to cover his ability to blitz he has incredible range he's downhill he's aggressive and he's a very good filler as well scrapes over the top trusts his eyes reads his keys to a solid manner again i think he could be a little bit better from that standpoint but from an athletic profile standpoint from what you can do with him you could do so many different things with jamin davis and now you have that behind a defensive line that has chase young montez sweat deron Payne, jonathan allen is a stud defensive line and you wanted that dynamic second level defender that can be and just operate in the intermediate parts of the field still be a valuable run defender while also not being a liability in coverage being a perfect sub package linebacker that's jamin davis and defenses are always in sub package this is a ron rivera type of pick right here I kind of figured they would look to invest in the linebacker position when they had guys like Cole Holcomb, who's a who's a solid player. John Bostick, another solid player, the guy who basically annihilated Andy Dalton on that dirty hit earlier in the 2020 season. And then they were looking at who as the starters behind that. They brought in David Mayo. They have Kaliki Hudson. But they needed to add a dynamic player so Jack Del Rio, their defensive coordinator, could really get the most out of the the front seven in general and not just those front four players who are absolutely dominant i mean you look at it 2018 first 2017 first 2019 first 2020 first all into that starting front four for jack del rio's defense and now you got jamin davis i think that's a really really good get for them and the giants were reportedly very interesting co- interested in a player like jamin davis which doesn't shock me at all it would really help sure up that linebacker position next to blake martinez but that's not the direction the Giants went in, and I'm happy with the Kadarius Tony pick. But I think another huge steal for the Washington Football Team, and they had a couple in this draft, was getting Samuel Cosme outside of the top 50. I mean, they got him at 51 right after the Giants selected Aziz jolari And Samuel Cosme, he's got the feet. He's he's not overly long. I think he has like 33 inch arms, but he's six foot seven, six foot eight, and he doesn't. He's not technically refined. But he has the size. He's very, very light on his feet. He handles counter moves very well. Has really, really good upper body strength. He can mirror pass rushers up the arc. And I think if you look at what the Washington football team needed on the, on the offensive line, you could make an argument that Samuel Cosme can be the starter now. now you have Mo- Morgan Moses as their right tackle. They have Jaron Christian as their starting left tackle right here was a third-round pick out of Louisville back in 2018. And then last year's fourth-round pick out of LSU, Sadiq Charles, is also on the roster. But I think Samuel Cosby can win that left tackle job, especially once he gets to really learn how to use his hands and maximize his hands and, and not be just somewhat of a person who frames his blocks really well because he has the foot speed to get into position while also just being a really mean and tough type of left tackle so I think he can definitely win that job outright and the fact that they got him in the second round outside of the top 50 I think that's huge like I said because look last year the Tennessee Titans had to force a an athletic pick with Isaiah Wilson at the end of the first round and it just didn't work out and that was also because of his off the field issues but Samuel Cosme is a much better prospect than Isaiah Wilson was Isaiah Wilson had stone feet this guy has really really quick feet and he has the, the size that you really desire in left tackles what an amazing pick and that's probably not even my favorite pick for the Washington football team they ended up going with Benjamin St. Juice in the third round that was a cornerback drafted after Aaron Robinson I do like this pick a lot he's 6'3 202 pounds was very very fluid down at the senior bowl doesn't have that much starting experience he was a former Michigan transfer very very good in run support definitely somebody that I feel like Jack Del Rio would love to be his cornerback he can line up and press use his long arms to try to disrupt the timing of the routes from wide receivers it makes a lot of sense to me but the pick I really love was after that and it was in the third round and it was Diami Brown because Diami Brown is one of the better vertical receivers in this draft class. And he was on that Todd Longo offense that DK Metcalf and AJ Brown were in, where all he basically asks you to do is run deep routes. So you don't get to showcase your ability as a route runner. And I think that could be an issue. <laughs> so Diami Brown, I think he has the athletic ability to run these routes he just wasn't asked to do it so this guy ends up sliding to pick 82 and the Washington football team adds him to their offense and now this offense consists of Curtis Samuel who they signed from the Carolina Panthers who is more of an underneath type of target granted I think he can be a deep target to be honest but he's a little bit more used behind the line of scrimmage you get the football on his hands a little bit more design touches Then you have one of the best intermediate receivers in the National Football League, and Terry McLaurin, who does excellent with the digs, finding those soft spots between safeties and linebackers. And now you had Diami Brown, who is one of the best vertical receivers coming into the draft. And I think you have a really, really nice one, two, three combo on those three level reads for whoever is the quarterback. It's looking like it's gonna be Ryan Fitzpatrick, unless Taylor Heineke ends up beating him out for that starting job. So I think that was an excellent get. You know, you got him outside of the top 80, Diami Brown, a lot of people had Diami Brown, who I respect in like the top six, top seven receivers, and you were able to get him that late. And I think in 11 personnel, you can have Terry McLaurin running a deep dig, Diami Brown clearing everybody out vertically, and then Curtis Samuel doing something underneath. And that's going to really help out that offense. I think in a lot of different situations, they also have Calvin Harmon, Tony O'Gainey-Golden, who are more prototypical X-type receivers, big type of guys. Isaiah Wright and Steven Sims Jr. are also on that roster. But I think that was an excellent get. And that's th- th- three of these picks, man. All four of them I really, I like. But three of these picks. Jamin Davis, I, I like that pick. I think Samuel Cosme was excellent value. Diami Brown was excellent value. Benjamin St. Drew a solid value. Ended up getting John Bates. I don't know if this is a little bit of a reach here, but this guy, I could see why Ron Rivera would love having this player because he just goes all out in terms of blocking. And if you want to run power gap, if Scott Turner wants to run a little bit more power gap now, you can just have him seal, and he could be a play side tight end on a C-gap run, just blocking down. And I think that could be something that really, really, uh, or a D-gap run, I should say. And on a C-gap run, he could definitely hold his own, just uh, not allowing somebody to set the edge driving certain uh, outside linebackers, smaller type of second-level defenders off the line because he's an excellent type of blocker, and he's going to step in. He's going to be behind Logan Thomas, who's more of a move type of tight end, more of a big body, more of a receiving tight end. I like the the pick. I thought it may have been a little bit too early, but i I was talking about John Bates for a while because I – appreciate what he does as a blocker and i think that's very valuable to an offense then it went derek Forrest out of the university of cincinnati a safety i don't really know much about this player he's six foot 206 pounds that's solid size but i haven't watched any film to him so it'd be disingenuous to talk about him they went with a long snapper out of michigan cameron cheese man amazing name william bradley king edge out of baylor in the seventh round he's six foot four 252 pounds he's actually somebody who obviously was coached by Matt Rule, who is now the coach of the Carolina Panthers, and was the team that, ironically enough, Ron Rivera used to coach, but that's neither here nor there. But William Bradley King, he has he solid juice, but he's somebody who is more of a developmental piece at this point not somebody who's probably going to step in and get many snaps with this stout defensive line but can probably operate on special teams similar to shaka tony who is a smaller undersized defender actually pretty technically refined as a pass rusher, has a lot of moves can string them together gets to his counter move pretty quickly solid burst but it's just really really undersized went down to the senior bowl had a really really bad senior bowl in my opinion but i think he's somebody who could situationally be used if injuries do happen but it would only be on third down and he's going to have to crack this roster by being a solid special teams contributor and then with their last pick in the seventh round they went with Dax Milne out of the University of BYU he was one of Zach Wilson's favorite picks almost got that Mr. Irrelevant selection he was 258 and then Grant Stewart the kid out of Houston the outside linebacker who's going to be a good special teamer in the league but he's severely undersized was actually Mr. Irrelevant to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but I look at this Washington football team draft and I have to give this a solid A I I really do they got a lot of good value here to be honest you can even go with A plus because Jamin Davis is going to be a difference maker on defense for them but then you get Samuel Cosme Outside of the top 50, I'm Brown. Outside of the top 80, I like Benjamin Saint Juice. So I, I honestly, I think this was a a solid get for Washington. I'm gonna go with an A though, not an A plus, but I'm gonna go with an A. And I think uh, they're building this team in a Ron Rivera type of image. They want to be tough. They're gonna win with grit, and they're going to be really strong in the trenches on defense which they already had a baseline but now you add that second level defender they also focus on some coverage with guys like Benjamin St. Juiced. and then getting Samuel Cosme is just adding somebody who could possibly start over the current guys that they have on this roster I mean yeah they brought in Eric Flowers recently who they had a couple years ago he's probably going to be the starting guard Jerome Christian and Sadiq Charles are solid type of players but Samuel Cosme can be more than them so that was a good get to pair with Morgan Moses who they have on the right side and then obviously the stud Brennan Sheriff. And that ladies and gentlemen is the nfc east draft please rate subscribe and review this podcast just head on over to itunes it does a lot for us if you just go into the comments and just leave a simple comment say that you like the show or you hate the show just please leave five stars you can criticize me as long as you leave five stars that's all we're really looking for here on big blue view so please do that and also read all of our great content over at big blue view with joe DeLeon, leon chris flum ed valentine and the gang we're all coming out with good giants content to provide to the listeners and the readers so we really appreciate you coming to this show and this podcast to listen to us talk about the team that we all love the new york football giants so please everybody take care have a lovely weekend and i believe this is going to release on mother's day so happy mother's day to all the moms out there see you later everybody